Today we meet a group of people who believe the more rotten the meat, the sweeter the treat. <laughs> then we take a look at some bizarre statistics that show what people really think about conspiracy theories. Then we travel to Australia to take a look at a bizarre UFO story. When Amy Rylance is abducted in front of a witness and beamed aboard a UFO, she's only gone for three hours. But how did her hair grow so long in such a short time? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now, trapped in a haunted mirror, trapped in a prison not of his own making. Let me out. Let me... People don't want to support Patreon. They're damned to hell. It's Dean Ryan. Everyone give a round of applause to Dean Ryan. There's like a janitor wheeling in this giant, giant mirror. He's like pounding on it. Let me out. Let me out. Someone smash that mirror. I'm not going to do it. I can't afford the bad luck. Someone smashes it. Dean Ryan, you've now been released to join us with the rest of the world. Dean Ryan, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon or if your soul is not doomed to an eternal two-dimensional existence, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Dean, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Rowboat. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're going to head out to a tropical little paradise known as the middle of nowhere. Splash. Splash, splash, rowing all the way over. There's a dude. You guys may have seen this. This has popped up on the news recently. Um, if you guys, <laughs> if you guys have seen it, I apologize for bringing it back up. I apologize for these bad memories. There's a guy who go. His name on YouTube. He goes by Severage. Severage is a man, and he has a unique idea. Severage is what's known as an anti-vegan. Now, it's different than a non-vegan. I'm non-vegan. I don't eat vegan food. If you eat vegan food, fine. I don't care. Right? As long as you're not trying to eat my food, we're square. Non-vegan is people who aren't vegan. An anti-vegan is someone who is against veganism, who thinks that it's wrong. And you, you it's funny because you may go, well, Jason, I actually think veganism is unhealthy or I think it's kind of highfalutin. I think it's pretentious. Whatever. You're still not an anti-vegan in the way that Severage is. Because you still eat, I'm assuming you still eat vegetables. You may not agree with the vegan lifestyle. Again, I, I really don't care. I used to be a vegetarian for moral reasons, and then it got too expensive, and my morals went out the window. I was like, I'll eat a cow. You may not like the vegan lifestyle. You may think it's pretentious or it's not super healthy, but you're not still not anti-vegan. Anti-vegan is someone who consumes no vegetables at all. Not even the carnivore diet is considered anti-vegan. Because, see... Anti-vegan, they're like, what, you cook your food? You disgusting man. Anti-vegan is the consumption of raw meat. Surprisingly, there's more than one person who does this. They consume raw meat. <clears throat> now, as I'm telling this story, I'm going to keep having visuals of this video I watched of Severage. He had a jar. Okay, hold on a second. I can't, I can't be gagging the whole story. There's this video, it's on YouTube. He has a jar of meat that he has let sit in this jar for a year. Never cooked it. <laughs> Not like it would matter if it was cooked first and then he left it for a year. He sticks his fork in and he pulls out what looks like hard clam chowder. 
it's dripping white goo. Sorry, my apologies if you're eating clam chowder, tuna casserole. My apologies if you're eating anything right now. It's basically like a giant meatball of rotten meat. And he goes, I'm going to eat the whole thing right now. Like that's, supposed to, like, that's supposed to be in the impressive part. And he begins to... He begins to devour this piece of rotten meat. It's funny because I've never eaten rotten meat. I've eaten undercooked meat. I've never eaten rotten meat. I assume most of you guys have never eaten. <laughs> Severage turns out to be... A... Severage is Dean Ryan. This is the episode he's supporting. He's like, oh no, trapped in a mirror and he's making fun of me? We've never eaten rotten meat. But just... you. There's an instinctual thing that kicks in when you talk about it and you look at it. It's not like I can even, like if someone was eating poop, I've never eaten poop, but because I've spent a lot of time around poop, by pooping myself, I'm not like a poop connoisseur, that I know like the smell and the texture, I don't want anything to do with it. So when cease, I can't watch people eat poop, which is a good thing, which is a good thing. I'm not, I don't feel bad about that. I'm not like, oh man, I really should, I really should start doing that. But watching someone eat rotten meat, I've never really been around rotten meat more than once or twice, especially not year-old meat. Watching him do it, it makes you physically ill. I could barely watch it. And he's eating this raw meat, this year-old raw meat. And they do it for a couple of reasons. One, because they're anti-vegan and this is all they can consume. They're so hungry. They're like, oh, when will dinner be ready? Oh, three more months. Oh, no. They're eating. I'm sure they have to eat other meat in the meantime, but... They, they're anti-vegans. They eat this raw meat. And it also gets them high. That's how I found out about it. There was recently some news articles in The Sun and Newsweek where they were like, this new trend, some people on the internet, quote-unquote, some people on the internet, which is usually like three or four weirdos, and then all of a sudden eight people tweet about it, and then some lazy journalist will write an entire story about it, and then some lazy podcaster will cover it. The difference is, is I know the game. I know the game. When Newsweek or Huffington Post or, God forbid, the New York Times runs a whole article about three tweets, it blows my mind. I have my degree in journalism. It absolutely rattles my cage when... Anyways, I'm part, I'm part of the problem because I report it on a podcast. But this podcast is goofy and it covers weird stuff. It's not the gray lady. Anyways, some people on the internet, a couple people are eating raw meat. It's become this viral story. Viral. Because of the worms in their stomachs. Apparently, if you eat it, it gets you high. And the articles, they're like, well, I really don't know. The articles like iflscience.com is like, we really don't know the mechanism of why it would make you high. It could be that the bacteria hits your stomach. It could be that you're deathly ill. It could be the side effects of these diseases. I watched this video with Severage, and as he was eating it, like before the, the video was like five, six minutes long. After he gets done eating, and he goes, yep, I already feel high. I already feel high. And I thought, Oh, that's how he gets high. They make it up. It's all in their head. There's very few drugs that you can ingest that you get high immediately. Like within five minutes of taking the drug. So it, it, it's, it has to be just psychosomatic. IFL science, there's your answer. I almost feel like it's just a way to attract people to their disgusting lifestyle. If you eat rotten meat, you'll get high. You may get some sort of rush from the fact that you're doing something that's been forbidden by nature. But I don't think you could actually classify it as a high. If you're saying it was a high after two or three minutes of eating it, I it, I think it's in your head. Or it's similar to that high, that endorphin rush, which again, is it really a high when you eat salsa, when you eat really, really hot salsa? 
it makes you feel high, but it's not like you're sitting next to the stoner and the guy who's dropping acid and be like, dude, I can see the elves too. You're just faking it. You're trying to get, you're just eating bell peppers the whole time, but you want to get in with the cool kids. But if you want to get illegal high and you want to be the most disgusting person in your neighborhood, try raw meat. To the very least, you can pretend like it does something. So bizarre subculture, internet, fad, whatever it is, the media could be hyping this up right now. I did watch a man eat rotten meat. I did watch a man eat meat that was a year old. And if you look at a couple of his other videos, this guy might be moving into Han's territory. He has a video where he's eating a lump of meat that's a year old. Hans never did that. Hans never did that. He also has a whole video about how time doesn't exist. And he uses, as an example, proving time does not exist, the movie Back to the Future. So, <laughs> I'm going to be following this guy for a bit. He basically says there is no past, there is no future. We are hanging out with Jesus right now. Maybe, maybe he is getting high off that meat. He believes the grass is the seed, the blade, and the decayed remains all at the same time. Interesting quantum philosophy. You kind of lost me when he started talking about Back to the Future. I have a lot of bad memories of conspiracy theories connected to Back to the Future. And the fact that while you're explaining this conspiracy theory to me, your breath smells like salmonella. I'm going to take a pass on this one, but I will continue to look into him. We might have a new Hans on our hands. Dean, Ryan, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We are leaving behind the anti-vegan movement. We are headed out to Canada. Car is driving underwater because we are on an island, but eventually we reach America's north cousin, Canada. We pull up to a research laboratory. We all got on our lab coats. We walk in. In Canada, I found this so fascinating when I saw this the other day. In Canada, they recently did this survey. It was done by Insights West Polling Company. And I can't remember a survey done recently that's given us this kind of breadth of information. This poll was done very recently between March 31st and April 5th. These questions were all conspiracy questions. Do UFOs exist? 53% of Canadians, and we're actually going to, I, I think these would match up pretty much to most places in the Western world. Do UFOs exist? 53% of the population says yes. 18% of them absolutely believe they exist. That's kind of what I expected. That one didn't surprise me that much. But then we look at this. COVID-19 created in a lab. It's actually been so long since I've even thought about the COVID-19 origin conspiracy theories. Remember, like, the official story, it was bat soup. When's the last time you even heard the term bat soup? That was the official story. So I was I totally forgot about this stuff. COVID-19 created in a lab. 37% of Canadians believe that's possible. They believe somewhat. And 11% totally believe that it was created in a lab. And I go, that that's interesting. 10% of the population believes that. Any of the JFK conspiracy theories, 33% believe somewhat in the conspiracy theories. 9% totally believe in them. So we start to see this. The Really the biggest conspiracy theory that people believe in is UFOs exist. I think most people, when they think about the scope of the universe, they go, there has to be aliens out there somewhere. So I think that that's why that has such a high percentage. Any JFK conspiracy theory, whatever it is, 33%. But then we start to get into some conspiracy theories that are fairly popular that I didn't think would be. Scientists have found a cure for cancer. 31% of people believe that scientists have found a cure for cancer, but they're not revealing it 
to make money. Dude, that is a conspiracy theory I have not heard of in a long time. That used to be really popular in the 80s and the 90s. And I also heard it about AIDS, that they had a cure for AIDS, but they weren't revealing it. But Magic Johnson got it. That was the conspiracy theory. Also, there was a conspiracy theory that he didn't get AIDS in the first place, or HIV. He didn't have HIV in the first place, that it was some, like way for him they basically some bookie or someone says you owe money say you have a it was a weird conspiracy theory but there was one conspiracy theory that magic johnson didn't have hiv in the first place the other one was that he got the cure because he's still around he's doing great hiv is not the death sentence it was when i was growing up which is good but that scientists have found a cure for cancer that one is actually they took this poll in 2014 and then they did another one in 2021 that's dropped 17 points that has almost been cut in half since the last time it was pulled. So very, very fascinating. There's a couple other conspiracy theories that took total tanks in the past couple of years, but that's one of them. 29% of people somewhat believe that humans have been cloned. That at least one... And it's so funny because I joke about, like, when we talk about all the Hillary Clinton weird stories and Obama's a clone, Hillary Clinton's a clone, Nancy Pelosi's clone, doppelganger, whatever... I make fun of that. I 100% believe that a human has been cloned. I don't think it's cloned and then grown to look exactly like 68 or 78, however old Hillary Clinton is. I don't think we're anywhere near that. Nor do we want to be. Why would you want to clone you but make you super old? But I do believe there's at least one person walking around today who, by definition, would be a cloned person. I 100% believe that that technology is there. I would be in that 29%. I just don't think they're like lifelike lookalikes. I think that you, they have probably taken genetic samples from people and cloned them. But they'd be little, little, little baby Barack Obama. Little baby Hillary Clinton eating herself. I think that she's taking a bite out of her arm. They're like, Hillary, we have to grow you a new arm again. Bigfoot exists. 20%. I don't know if that's higher or lower than I thought, honestly. One in five Canadians. Again, this is the poll. You have to extrapolate everything, and I'm extrapolating this to a lot of the Western world as well. But one in five adults believe Bigfoot exists. I live in an area where a lot of people believe Bigfoot exists because I live up in kind of the home of Bigfoot. I live up in the Pacific Northwest. But in California, no. I wasn't even interested in Bigfoot. I thought he was kind of lame. You wouldn't run into a lot of people who believed in Bigfoot. So overall, see, that's the thing. Like, I'm around more people now who believe Bigfoot exists, but growing up, it was just something goofy. It was on the level of the Loch Ness Monster. And they don't ask specifically if Loch Ness Monster exists. In this poll, they ask if Ogogogo exists, which is the Canadian Loch Ness Monster. Only 9% of people exist. And I think you could extrapolate that to say maybe a little bit more. Maybe 10%, 11% believe Loch Ness Monster exists. But 20%, one in five people believe Bigfoot exists. This is what I found bizarre. Because I had not really heard this conspiracy theory. I didn't know it was a conspiracy theory. Out of all my years of research, I've, I, my great-grandma, I think, believed it to a certain extent. But I just figured it was my great-grandma being a sore loser. I And I, I know people would believe this, but I didn't think it was this high or that this was considered a conspiracy theory. 20% of people, somewhat, and 5% of those absolutely believe the lottery is rigged. Fascinating. I honestly didn't know there was that high of a percentage of people who believed that. 
I know there have been lotteries, state lotteries, things like that, that have been rigged. I know that crimes have been committed where it's been rigged. But to think one in five of adult Canadians believe that the lottery is rigged, it's the same amount of people who believe in Bigfoot. That's weird to me. I, 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 that kind of threw me for a loop. That's actually bigger than stuff like global warming is a hoax. The pharmaceutical industry has something to do with COVID-19 that it was engineered. It's twice as big as the COVID-19 vaccine has a microchip. Like, that's a huge level conspiracy theory. And what I think is so interesting about that is conspiracy theories so often you can use to make money. There are whole industries that popped up relatively overnight off of people's fears about COVID-19 and the vaccine. There's whole YouTube channels, podcasts, there's stuff you can buy to help suck up the, the stuff that the vaccine people are shedding, all this stuff, all this nonsense. Who's making money off the lottery thing? That almost seems like if you guys if you guys have some money and you're looking for something to spend it on, I bet you you could honestly get a pretty good following if you started a podcast or a YouTube channel that focused specifically on the lottery is rigged. Because I think that is an empty lane. I don't think anyone else is doing that. All these other conspiracy theories we talked about are very, very well populated. UFO people, I got a tweet today on my phone. Did you know UFO disclosures happening tomorrow? I mean, it's nonstop. It's nonstop. But the lottery thing, I don't think anyone is pushing that conspiracy theory. 9-11. The 9-11 was a conspiracy set in forth by the United States government. And this is in Canada that they're doing this. It may be a little higher in the United States. 17%. That's a still a huge amount. That is almost one in five Canadians believe that 9-11 was an inside job. But that actually dropped 12% from 2014. So that's also taken a sizable hit. In the last six, seven years, people have gone, ah, maybe that's not accurate. So that's another one that's on its way out. That one and the scientists, the cure for cancer, those ones are going to be much smaller. Conspiracy theories cross the political boundary. It does not matter what side of the political spectrum is on. It honestly does not matter what your education level is. It doesn't matter what your religious background is. A lot of people think it's a bunch of yokels, a bunch of like fundamentalist yokels up in the woods who believe this stuff about 5G and COVID. It cuts across all barriers. It's just different conspiracy theories. Different groups believe in different conspiracy theories. And the general consensus is that more men believe in conspiracy theories than women. That can be correct. That can be correct. What this poll realized was that does happen for specific conspiracy theories. There are two conspiracies in this list that more women believe in than men. One that the Princess Diana car accident was not an accident. It was either an assassination or there was something else going on. It wasn't an accident. More women believe that than men. And the lottery is rigged. By a wide margin, 23% of women believe that versus 16% of men. So fascinating. We, we, I, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope I didn't bore you with these numbers. I find this stuff absolutely fun to talk about because it's these raw numbers. We don't really get to see this much stuff. We live in a realm of paranormal. I'm all, it's so funny cuz I'm whenever I meet someone and they're like I don't believe in ghosts or any of that stuff, it always takes me aback because I spend so much time in this sphere. I spend time in this paradimensional sphere I'm rolling through the city 
I spend so much time in this world. And I know that people don't believe in UFOs. I know people don't believe in ghosts. I guess what I'm saying when I meet people who don't believe in anything, any of it. Because some people don't believe in ghosts, but they're like, oh yeah, UFOs are real. Or they don't believe in ghosts or UFOs, but they'll be like, oh no, I swear I saw Bigfoot ones. But I'll run into people who don't believe in anything, and it's always odd to me. It's always weird to me. So it's nice to look at these numbers and see how how they break down. How they break down. And to see that some of the conspiracy theories, like the COVID-19 5G internet connection, that is only 6% of people believe that. We have nothing to compare it against in 2014 because it didn't exist, but... Six percent of people believe in that, which is still a sizable amount when you're talking about, you know, nations of millions and millions of people. But like the UFOs, I could see it being a 50-50 split. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I really had a lot of fun reading that to you. It's nice to see the total picture of paranormal belief. But we've done enough number crunching with these nerds. And then now we're all ripping up their notes. They're like, sir, we need that for the next city. We're like, get out of our way. We're tired of being nerds. We're messing all this stuff up. We are tired of learning stuff. It's time to go investigate a real-life UFO abduction. We don't need no numbers for this. Dean Ryan, I'm going to toss you the keys of that carpenter copter. You go ahead and signal that bad boy to land. We're leaving behind Egghead Central. We're headed out to Australia. I got most of this information from a website called howandwise.com. We've actually been to this website a lot, and I wanted to give them a shout-out. They actually did a really good write-up on the story. I had some other sources as well, but that's a great website. You guys should check it out. Dean Ryan, we're headed to Australia. Specifically, we're headed to Gundaya. That's in Queensland, Australia. It's 9.30 p.m. October 4th, 2001. Longtime listeners of the show know that is my birthday. Not, <laughs> not 2001. That would make me 20 years old. I was 25 when this story took place. I was 25 years old. We're in Gundaya. We're actually at a construction site, a site where they're about to build a winery known as Whispering Winds. Now, there's a little house, a little structure there where we have Keith Rylance, 39, Amy Rylance, his 22-year-old wife, and their business partner, Petra Heller, who's 35. And what's great about this story is they have gone on video talking about this. We have names, we have specific dates, we have faces. This is a very, very verifiable story, at least from their point of view. A lot of times on this show, and just paranormal stuff in general, like yesterday's episode, all the alleged hauntings at the university, it's nice to actually have names and faces and proof that people are coming forward and telling these stories. But this night, October 4th, 2001. Keith has already called it a night. He's already gone to bed pretty early. Petra is in her room. And Amy is in the living room. She's up watching television. The rooms are fairly connected, so it's not like this sprawling house. If something happens in one room, you're going to be able to hear it in the next. A huge storm rolls into the area. Amy's still just watching television. She's watching the Storm Channel. She's like, whoa, surround sound. That's amazing. But by 11.15, she is also dozed off. So everyone in the house is asleep. The storm is gliding over the Australian landscape. And then all of a sudden, something wakes Petra up. It's 11.15. She's the only one awake now. She's walking through the house and she gets into the living room. And that's when she sees 
a rectangular beam of light shining in from outside the house. In the middle of this beam of light is Amy. It's like the light is aimed directly at her. And it takes Petra a second to realize what's going on here. Amy is in the beam of light, but she's no longer laying on the couch. She's hovering off of it. Petra is terrified. She's speechless. As Amy is floating through the rectangle of light, she then flies out the window. And as she's going out the window, the window was opened at this point, but the window screen was still there. She actually pushed through the window screen. It tore open as she flew through it. Petra faints at this sight. She can't even really get anything out. She faints and almost immediately comes to and begins screaming. This is when Keith wakes up and he runs out into the living room and Petra is screaming. She can't get a word out. She can't even comprehend what she just saw. All Keith knows is this woman is on the ground screaming. There's a rainstorm outside. His wife is gone, and the window has a huge tear in it. So he goes to run outside to see what had happened. Your first instinct would be kidnapping. Second instinct, wild boar. You're in the outback after all. Kangaroo, mob, who knows? As he goes to run outside, Petra starts saying, don't go out there, don't go out there. They got her, they got her, which of course is going to make him even more want to go out there. She tries to convince him of what happened, that she got sucked up into this beam of light. Keith does not believe her. He runs out. He begins running through the wilderness around the house, calling out for his wife's name. No answer. He goes back in, and Petra again is pleading with him, what I saw. you got to believe me what I saw. She was abducted. This bright light came in. She floated out the window. Keith still can't believe it, but in the back of his mind, he's trying to figure out, like, what could it have been? Where could she have gone? They call the authorities. They call the police at 11.40, so it's about 25 minutes later. They make the phone call. Now, because it's Australia, it takes them until 1 a.m. to get there. Because not there's a police station down the road. There's a police station maybe in the nearest town. Might even be the town past that. Keith is still out looking for her. And as time goes on, he starts to believe that maybe Petra is telling the truth. Because what else could it have been? The police show up, and they you have to imagine they were extremely suspicious of what's going on. Young woman goes missing. Man with his female business partner are there. Female business partner is saying she was abducted by aliens. The man kind of seems to be going along with it. The cops are probably thinking, like, did they murder her? Is this some sort of weird cover story? Is this the worst alibi ever? Police are kind of searching the area around the house as well. Ring, ring. Ring, ring. Their phone starts ringing. And Keith answers it, and there's a woman on the phone. And she goes, is this the home of Amy Rylance? Keith is like, yeah. The woman goes, she's safe. She's safe. She's here. Where's here? Where's here? Keith asks. So this is what the second side of this story is. 500 miles away. It's an eight-hour drive. There's a town called Mackay. It's, it's around 1 a.m. And a young woman comes stumbling out of the wilderness, headed towards a gas station. She's disheveled. She's dehydrated. She's barely coherent. She stumbles into the gas station. 
she's not really making any sense. They can tell that she's in distress. They give her some water. They charge her for it. They're like, you have money on you, right? She's like, oh. They give her some water. And there's a woman there who's gassing her car up. She actually says, I think this woman needs to go to the hospital. So her and her friend who was traveling with her, they put the young woman in the car. They can't figure out who it is. She can't really say what her name is. They drive her to a local hospital. And at that point, when they get to the hospital, she's getting more fluid in her. She's becoming a little more lucid. And apparently the woman who took her down there was going through her personal items, found her identification, was able to get the phone number of her husband, so on and so forth. And that is how she's placing this phone call. McKay is 500 miles away from where she was abducted. It's an eight-hour drive. But remember, she was abducted at 11.15, and now we're sitting a little bit past 1 a.m. How did she get so far away? Now, if you believe in UFOs, we know how she got so far away. But the detectives are trying to figure this out. The detectives don't really believe this story. And, and we've talked about this before on the show. There is a totally different view of aliens today than there was when I was growing up. From the 60s until the early 2000s, really, it was a huge joke. If you watch, and I'll be in the show notes, there's the news segment about this story in Australia. And when they're interviewing one of the detectives, when they're interviewing Detective Senior Sergeant Leif Lindsay, he's laughing on camera at these people. He's laughing at them. Because it was a big joke. For the longest time, it was a big joke. Now people take it a little bit seriously. But it's he doesn't seem to believe this story, and that's fine. But he's like, oh, so, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I'm giggling. And he's like trying to keep a straight face, and he starts laughing again. He's like, oh my goodness, is this on? Is the camera on? <laughs> and it's super disrespectful. But he's openly mocking these people in their story. So the cops don't believe it, but they can't really figure it out. They actually are investigating... When they start looking at the story, they go with the idea that this was staged. They begin asking people in the town of McKay if she was seen before this happened. If she was actually waiting there for this signal. But if you believe in UFOs, this is the story she tells. She's on the couch. She's watching television. She doesn't fall asleep. She's just sitting there on the couch watching TV. And then all of a sudden, she's standing on a metal bench in a room full of lights. She immediately knows she is someplace other than where she should be. And the fear sets in. That's when she hears a male voice say, don't be afraid. We're not going to hurt you. Please be calm. And then a door opens up. A six foot tall man wearing a suit that covers him literally head to toe. There were some drawings with this story. It almost seemed like a full biohazard suit, and the person wore a black mask underneath it to cover the, like their mouth and nose. So definitely humanoid, but they were covered in, in a giant suit. She could see his eyes, but she couldn't see his mouth or his nose. He comes out, and some sort of procedure was done. She doesn't remember what was done. When they did pick her up from the hospital, and they do show this in the video as well. She has these small triangle marks on her thighs and on her heels, on the bottom of her feet. And the reporter asks what happened. And she goes, I don't remember. I think they were just taking some sort of skin samples. But she says she was standing on the bench. The guy entered. Something happened she doesn't recall. And then she said that the man said he was going to drop her off not far from where they picked her up. 
And the next thing she knows, she's walking through the bushes in the middle of nowhere. And she sees the lights of a gas station off in the distance. And she finally gets there and basically collapses and is brought to the hospital. They do end up calling some local UFO researchers. They come out, start interviewing them. And then the trio of them, Petra, Keith, and Amy, disappear. Not mysteriously disappear. They just stopped returning phone calls. They couldn't be, they didn't want to go back to that house. They told the UFO researchers that they believed a car tried running them off the road. They believed that possibly the men in black were after them. They didn't feel comfortable telling their story anymore. An interesting detail to note as well, when she is reunited with the people who know her, they noticed a couple things. One, she'd recently dyed her hair, but her roots were showing much more than they should be in the amount of time that had passed. She dyed her hair a week ago. Her roots shouldn't be showing that early. And that could just be a bad dye job, right? Though she might need to get her money back. But it was also her legs. She normally shaved her legs. Her legs had several days worth of hair growth on them. So that's another outside factor. Now to the cops, they just go, well, she's just not shaving her legs. It's a interesting hoax that they're trying to pull off. And that was kind of the way the cops are going with it. But was she... This is what I find absolutely fascinating. We talk about lost time, but technically it should be able to work both ways. If you have vegan, you have to have anti-vegan. If you can exist in our timeline, if you can disappear for an hour and then be dropped back off, and to you it seems like a minute, but really an hour has passed, it could work in reverse where you are gone for three hours. You are measurably gone for three hours, but where you're at four, eight, ten days go by. And I think we'll wrap it up like this. I think the story is an interesting clue to other phenomenon. Stuff like missing people. Even stuff like missing 411. Because you have people being abducted and then dropped off quote-unquote nearby. To a starship, 500 miles is nothing, right? Something that's built to cross the galaxy. 500 miles is nothing. To us, five feet is nothing, but to an ant, that's its whole day. It's like, damn it, I gotta get the sugars way over there. Uh. So to the alien who picked her up and dropped her off, that could have simply been nothing. 500 miles, it's an eight-hour trip. Just get on your ion teleporter and you'll be fine. It'd be interesting to think like these people who mysteriously go missing, they walk into their backyard, they disappear. They're walking through the woods, they walk behind a shrub, they disappear. Maybe they aren't missing forever. They're just deposited in a place so far away, no one thinks to look for them there. And even then, they didn't drop her off at the gas station. They dropped her off in the wilderness near the gas station. If it had been a young child, or someone who was drunk, someone who was frail, they would have just died in the wilderness. She could have ended up going the wrong direction and in her dehydrated, confused state, instead of walking towards the well-lit gas station, what if she had walked in the opposite direction? She'd be bleached bones in the Australian wilderness. And Petra and Keith would probably be on trial for murder. It could even happen to you tonight. As you're falling to sleep, hoping to find some peace, some comfort in your dreams. You close your eyes, and then you open them.
You're no longer in your bedroom. You don't remember how you got here. Your limbs are trembling. You can barely stand up. Your thoughts are racing. Your throat is dry. Your skin feels singed and sore. A memory comes back. A kindly alien telling you to just be calm. Everything will be okay. And you did what they said. You were calm. You didn't panic as the laser scalpel singed your skin. You did what they said. You did everything that they said. But you can't understand why you're here now. You're crawling on all fours across the mossy forest floor. It seems devoid of all wildlife. Almost as if the beasts of the forest were scared away by whatever deposited you here. And as you crawl across the forest floor, you hope you're crawling in the right direction. You hope you will find civilization. But you won't. You will just be another missing person. Mysteriously vanished from their own home. Did they run away? Were they kidnapped? Were they murdered? These are questions people will always ask when your name is brought up. But they won't ever think to look a thousand miles away at that soft lump of vegetation underneath that oak tree that vaguely makes out the shape of you. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>